Christian history is not to be ignored. Christians past have an impact on Christians now. Those who came before us can teach today from the lives they lived to the lives we live today following the Lord Jesus Christ and his leadership. My favorite Christian past is the evangelist George Whitfield. He worked his way through Oxford when he met the Wesley brothers who founded Methodism. He was a Church of England minister who drew the ire of other church leaders by doing the unheard of. He preached in churches, yes, but his real preaching out in the open air, where thousands came to hear him preach and thousands sought forgiveness to find eternal life in the new birth. I've taken my family and Haven team members to places where he preached, near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, near Princeton, New Jersey, and outside Boston where he died. We prayed where he prayed. Our faith was strengthened to carry on to proclaim Christ. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. Can you believe it? It's Thursday, and we're still in a series called Times That Changed the World. This weekend, many of us will be setting our clocks forward due to daylight savings time. Time will literally change, and it will have an effect on all of us. The good news is that we'll have more daylight in the evenings. The bad news is that we'll be groggy for those of us heading to church on Sunday with one less hour of sleep. This week, we've been talking about times that have changed the world. More specifically, times that God used to affect church history. In a moment, we're going to look at the Great Awakening in the 18th century. Some of you will recognize some of those key players of that era. Edwards, Wesley, and Whitfield. We'll hear about them all, but focus on one of my favorites, George Whitfield. He was not a perfect man, but God still used him in a mighty way to proclaim the gospel to countless numbers and see thousands come to faith. After the program, I'd like to send you a copy of the new documentary called Puritan, All of Life to the Glory of God. This feature film focuses on the generation before the Great Awakening, and it helped me better understand how these sinners saved by grace desired to live every second of their lives for the glory of God. It's a God-entranced heart and a God-entranced stomach and a God-entranced ears and eyes and all of life and experience is God-entranced. And they saw this is the joy and good news we're made for. And therefore, this is truth worth living and worth dying for. Puritan, all of life to the glory of God. This special double DVD will not only inform you about your Christian family history, it will also stir your heart with courage that God is always working in his people's lives. So call us after the program and make your gift at 800 654 2836-800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website and watch an extended trailer for Puritan. And then make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And if you're still one of the few who hasn't read Dane Ortland's gentle and lowly book about the heart of Jesus, we still have both the hardback and the audiobook for your gift as well. And now Haven Today opens with Jeremy Camp. 
and a song he's well known for, We Cry Out. Anthems fill the skies with praise, all your mighty works display your glory. The tale of your glory. silent we will praise we'll sing it out oh we will sing it out for we have seen the greatness of your glory be revealed and we have seen all that you've done and we cannot be still we series this week with Haven Today called Times That Changed the World. And that was Jeremy Camp and We Cry Out. I'm Charles Morris. There are so many times, people, and events to choose from. It's an invitation for all of us maybe to reach back into history and see how the Lord moved, how he used believers for his glory 
in times past. And it all started with a verse I keep coming back to, Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The first disciples obeyed that great commission. They went out from Jerusalem, full of the Spirit, and the Lord got to work. The church, Christians, I should say, have always been a going people. We come to the Lord, but then we leave. We go out into the world to share the good news with any and all who will listen. What a beautiful rhythm, and it produces a godly resolve even in the face of danger. The kind of resolve the Apostle Paul showed in Acts 14 after he was stoned in Lystra. They dragged him out of the city and left him for dead. But he got up and he marched right back into the city. He was fearless in the face of death. And that has often been the way many followers of Christ have lived these past 2,000 years. They take to heart the words of Paul that to live is for Christ and to die is gain. More Christ. All week, we've been looking at events and times that changed the world. And now I want us to look at what many call the Great Awakening. But it's helpful to see how this movement in time was actually connected with times before. It flowed out of the Reformation and then the Puritan era. Let's listen to a segment from the Puritan documentary that we're offering this week that explains two key figures from this era. Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield. So Jonathan Edwards was a colonial minister. His life spanned from 1703 to 1758. He ended his life very briefly for six active weeks as president of what was then the College of New Jersey. and Today it's Princeton University. He is not among that first or even second generation of Puritans who settled the New World. But I firmly believe Edwards is a Puritan. We are in a stream of time. And uh, so when you're talking about Puritanism and what comes after Puritanism, you're looking at both continuity and discontinuity. And, uh, and then, of course, by the time you're talking about Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, you're talking about the first of the Great Awakenings, which can't be explained without the Puritan devotion and preaching, Puritan theology. George Whitfield's theology is also an extension of that Puritan theology. George Whitfield's concern for the Christian life is an extension of that. One of the sermons that Whitfield preached a number of times is a great sermon called The Almost Christian. And he'd walk into these Anglican churches, and of course this title, The Almost Christian, you know, who's he going to say is the almost Christian? Those people over there, those Presbyterians over there, those heathen in the other lands. And Whitfield gets up in the pulpit and he says, Anglicans are almost Christians. And being an almost Christian is not being a Christian at all. You can be baptized, you can be in a church, you can be a member of a church, and not be a true Christian. You're just an almost Christian, and that's no Christian at all. It was about the gospel. It was about preaching the gospel with passion because, uh, how does the hymn writer put it, uh, wash me, Savior, lest I die. Without the gospel, there is no hope. A segment from the Puritan documentary that we have for your gift to the ministry, talking about Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield. Whitfield was greatly influenced by the Wesley brothers. 
And yesterday we talked about how the Lord used a ship and a great storm in 1732 to bring John Wesley to faith. Many feared the ship was about to sink, but there were Moravian missionaries on the boat who faced the potentially life-threatening storm with incredible calm and readiness. In fact, they made their way around the ship to preach the gospel. Seeing their resolve changed John Wesley's life. He realized he hadn't yet trusted in the Lord Jesus, but that day he did. And when he landed in England, his life of ministry really began. He met a young university student at school named George. George did not come from a wealthy family. He didn't have the funds to pay for his schooling, so he became what is called a servitor. Yes, George Whitfield, the powerful preacher of the First Great Awakening, got his start carrying books and cleaning up after others. He got to know John and Charles Wesley, eventually becoming a leader in the Holy Club, a tight-knit group of students dedicated to Christ. George was converted in 1735, and he quickly gained a name for himself, not just in England. Whitfield's presence was felt in the New World, too. During the course of his life, he crossed the Atlantic 13 times. No easy task back then. Back and forth between England and America, over two years total on the water, he preached over 30,000 sermons in his lifetime, and on his slowest years, he was preaching six hours every day. To say that George Whitfield was a preacher would be an understatement, and it was through his preaching that the First Great Awakening gained its momentum. Thousands were experiencing a renewed sense of devotion to the Lord as they gathered day and night to hear the gospel proclaimed out in the open fields. The Great Awakening was not denominational. Congregationalists, Baptists, Presbyterians, you name it, they were there, gathering to hear the word, going out to share the good news they had just heard, and in the middle of it, there was George Whitfield. He would draw enormous crowds, some estimate in the tens of thousands, to hear him preach. One anonymous report said he would bring a man to tears simply by the way he pronounced Mesopotamia. Wish I knew how he said it. He was gifted, and his voice was booming, a piercing sound to it, we're told. A moment ago, we heard a bit from a Whitfield sermon. And now I'd like to read you another segment to give you an idea of his eloquence and passion for Jesus, even though I certainly don't have the voice of George Whitfield. Dare, dare, my dear brethren in Christ, to follow the captain of your salvation, who was made perfect through his sufferings. The seed of the woman shall bruise the serpent's head. Fear not, men. Be not too much cast down at the deceitfulness of your hearts. Fear not, devils. You shall gain victory even over them. The Lord Jesus has engaged to make you more than conquerors over all. Plead with your Savior. Plead. Plead the promise in the tent. Wrestle. Wrestle with God in prayer. If it has been given you to believe, fear not if it should also be given you to suffer. Be not any wise terrified by your adversaries. The king of the church has them all in a chain. Be kind to them. Pray for them, but fear them not. The Lord will yet bring back his ark, though at present driven into the wilderness, and Satan, like lightning, shall fall from heaven. A sermon on Genesis 3 by George Whitfield. A powerful call to hear the gospel. 
a powerful call to trust in Christ alone. He was earnest that his listeners be born again. In fact, he would repeatedly stress how important it was. You must be born again. You must be born again. One day, after Whitfield had finished preaching, a man asked him, Why do you repeat yourself, you must be born again? You must be born again. And after pausing for a moment, George Whitfield looked the man in the eyes and said, Because you must be born again. He was devoted to preaching. He gave his life to travel around the world to share the gospel. Many, many people came to know the Lord Jesus through his ministry. Benjamin Franklin even attended one of his revival meetings in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, near Independence Hall. He had an illustrious career, but it wasn't all fame and glory for George Whitfield. It is unfortunate, but true, that George Whitfield was instrumental in bringing the slave trade to the state of Georgia. He was opening an orphanage, and instead of hiring workers, he lobbied the state government to legalize slavery so he could purchase a few to run his orphanage. Oh, I wish he would have followed in the footsteps of John Wesley, his friend and fellow preacher. Wesley detested slavery. He called it the sum of all villainies. Whitfield went another way. While Wesley began lobbying his government, the Parliament, and the Crown in England to end the British participation in this evil institution, Whitfield was lobbying to expand its reach. I do not say that lightly, or to bring shame upon George Whitfield and his preaching ministry. But we need to be honest with our history. We're telling stories of times that change the world, and sometimes the change isn't all for the better, even when Christians are involved. But the story of George Whitfield teaches us something. The Lord can use crooked sticks to make straight lines. It is undeniable that the first great awakening led thousands to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. No denying that George Whitfield was powerfully used by the Lord back then. He had a passion to preach the word. His dedication was unrivaled. Six hours a day, seven days a week. 30,000 sermons. He was a crooked stick, but the Lord used him and set so many hearts right. We can grieve what he did, and we can be grateful that the Lord used him. The story of this time that changed the world teaches us something else as well. Christ told a parable in Matthew 13 about a mustard seed. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, he said. That mustard seed starts so very small, but when it finally grows, it's the largest of all garden plants. So birds come and perch on its branches. The Great Awakening was a time of growth for the kingdom. The Lord cannot be hindered from bringing birds from all over the world to find shade and rest in the branches of his kingdom. God orchestrated it all. From John Wesley meeting the Ravians on that ship in a storm, from Wesley meeting Whitfield and Whitfield meeting the Lord, only to dedicate his life to preaching the gospel. From Whitfield traveling to America, back and forth, over and over, preaching the gospel and seeing many come to the Lord. The Lord was growing his kingdom. And the Lord is still growing his kingdom. Not many of us will be preachers like George Whitfield. But Jesus will use us wherever we are, if we know him by faith. It's all about Jesus and what he's done for us not about us and what we might be able to do for him. 
And for that, we can be ever grateful. It's all about you. The songs recorded on a Best of Passion album, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. 
here on A Haven Today and our series called Times That Changed the World. Earlier in the program, we heard some excerpts from the new documentary called Puritan, All of Life to the Glory of God. The era that the Puritans lived in was definitely one of those times that changed the world. But so many of us don't really know who these Puritans were. In fact, many believe they were dark and terrible people. And honestly, some of them were rascals. But when you watch this new feature film, you'll see that most of them loved Jesus and enjoyed living for his glory. But something else I like about this documentary, it's honest that they were sinners saved by grace like you and me. They made mistakes, but a good number of them, most of them, in fact, were all about Jesus. Would you make your gift to the ministry? And we'll send you this double DVD set that includes the two-hour documentary, a bonus DVD with many extras and a digital download. And the number to call right now is 800 654 36 865 haven or if you've got an extra minute or two go to our website watch an extended trailer for puritan you can make your gift then and order the dvd at haventoday.org that's haventoday.org and just before we have to go i want to remind you one more time that we still have dane ortland's gentle and lowly in either the hardback book or the audiobook for your gift as well. This special book will help you better understand the gentle and the lowly heart of Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share on Friday the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. The story of Jesus' friend Lazarus remains one of the most powerful in all the Bible. Lazarus was sick. Jesus waited three days before going to see the family. By then, Lazarus was dead, and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were devastated. Mary was in shambles. She knew Lazarus would rise again someday, but Jesus had something else in mind. I am the resurrection and the life, he said in John eleven twenty five. Whoever believes in me will never die. And he proved it when he called Lazarus from the dead. We sing with him now. Oh, death, where is your sting? Death does sting, but in Christ it never has the final word. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.